Going out to play and exploring the local area is something that most kids want to do. The freedom to play with their friends without parental supervision, going on walks around the local area, and riding their bikes up and down the street is a normal part of childhood. Most children return home when they are either hungry or tired, unharmed with the exception of some cuts and bruises. But today, we will be discussing one boy who never came home and whose death remains a mystery. Let's uncover the unsolved death of Joshua Walden. Hello and welcome to the 28th episode of Uncover True Crime Podcast. My name is Stephanie and each week we uncover a different unsolved true crime case ranging from missing persons, unsolved murders, Jane and John Doe's and suspicious deaths. You can listen to the podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other podcast streaming apps as well as on YouTube by searching Uncover True Crime. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Uncover underscore pod and on Instagram at Uncover True Crime Pod. But without any further ado, let's uncover the unsolved death of Joshua Walden. Joshua Walden was born on the 24th of June 1990 to Anne and Johnny Walden and was one of five children. He had an older sister called Crystal and three brothers, Jason, Dallas and Jonathan, and the family lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee. At 10 years old, Joshua was quite small compared to his peers, standing at just 4 foot 5 inches tall and weighed 60 pounds. He didn't let his small frame hold him back and was like any other kid, although he did have his quirks. Joshua was obsessive about always having his socks and shoes on and would get really upset when his parents would come into his room at night to take them off. He loved riding his bike around the neighbourhood, playing with his friends and helping others. When he got home from East Lake Elementary School, he would go round to his neighbour's house offering to help them with various chores. His sister Crystal said, quote, All the little old ladies in the neighbourhood just loved him. He was always going to their houses every day checking on them, seeing if they needed their grass cut, unquote. Jonathan had a very special bond with his sister Crystal, who cared for him and looked after him throughout his childhood. She said, quote, I remember looking at him more like my son than my brother, you know, because I mean, I did everything for him. I remember when he came home from the hospital, getting him dressed, changing diapers and giving him bottles. I don't know, he was always a special person to me. All of my brothers are special, but him, he was just my baby, unquote. In late 2000, Crystal had her own baby and Joshua was very excited about becoming an uncle. Crystal spoke to the media about this, saying, quote, He was excited. He was super excited around that time, especially because he was going to be an uncle. I was having my first child. He was so excited. He would say, I can't wait till he gets here. While he did get to meet his nephew, Joshua didn't get to spend a lot of time with him as he died just a few weeks after his nephew was born. On the 8th of December 2000, Joshua was riding his dull red bike around the neighbourhood and it was just like any other day. He was seen around 5pm on the 4500 block of 14th Avenue, which was pretty close to his house. When Joshua didn't come home that night, his family became very concerned and they phoned the police just after midnight on Saturday the 9th. The police started looking for Joshua, but it wouldn't ultimately be them who would find him. On the 10th of December, around 12.30, his brother Jonathan and some other kids were playing in the woods near the East Lake Duck Pond. 
just off the 3100 block on 16th Street. He saw a depression in the ground and saw a foot poking out of a layer of leaves. Scared, he averted his eyes and didn't look at the body further. Instead, he ran and got help. Police attended the scene and they confirmed that Jonathan had found his brother's body. He was found with no shoes or socks on and these items, along with his bike, have never been found. Other than a few abrasions on the right side of his face and on his nose, there was no other injuries, no sign of sexual assault and no obvious cause of death. The only thing noted at the scene was that the condition of Joshua's body was, quote, very unusual, unquote, and we will get back to that soon. His autopsy was completed very quickly and the day after he was found, the medical examiner revealed that he had died from manual asphyxiation, which means someone had put so much pressure onto either his chest or stomach that Joshua had stopped breathing. Police don't seem to know exactly how this happened and are open-minded about the circumstances that might have to his death. Joshua Mathis, who was one of the first officers on the scene, said, quote, Was it intentional? Until we get to the bottom of it, we can't say 100%. But we do think there's an aspect of this that might not have been intentional. Unquote. The Walden family were understandably devastated and couldn't believe Joshua, who was only 10 at the time of his death, would never be coming home. Anne Walden pleaded for anyone with information to come forward, saying, quote, Anyone who knows anything, please come forward. Bring my baby's killer to justice. You never heal. The pain, the suffering, the emptiness, it never goes away. Unquote. His brother Dallas, who was 17 when Joshua died, said, quote, Everyone has been crying. It's been a shock. We are coping with it as best we can. We have a lot of support. We'll be alright. Joshua is living in our hearts. Unquote. Crystal also commented on their loss, stating, quote, I feel like my kids have been robbed of an uncle. I have been robbed of a brother. Unquote. Police often don't reveal all the evidence or information they have on a case in order to protect the integrity of the investigation and Joshua's case was no different. It wasn't until a year after Joshua had died that the police told the public and the Walden family that Joshua's body had been burned with muratic acid post-mortem. Muratic acid is a less pure form of hydrochloric acid and while it is cheap and can be found very easily in stores and online, it should only ever be used as a last resort. It can be used for washing brick, concrete and stone walls, getting rid of extreme mould and mildew, removing rust and for cleaning and maintaining swimming pools. It is likely the acid would have been used to destroy any DNA or forensic evidence the killer had left behind or to quicken decomposition. However, it actually deferred animals and insects away from Joshua, meaning his body was in good condition when found. Criminal profilers said Josh's killer, quote, used acids because he is familiar with it or has ready access to it. The offender does not kill the victim, then purchase acid. He uses what is readily available to him and what he is comfortable handling." Unquote. They also say that he or she, quote, was probably involved in an occupation or some activity in which acid was utilised. His family were said to be, quote, shocked and very disturbed, unquote, by this detail, which is totally understandable. I can't even imagine how horrific this must be for them even now. 
The FBI offered their assistance to the Chattanooga Police Department an offer they gladly accepted. The FBI wrote a report on Josh's killer and it reads in part, quote, The significant feature is the choice of the immediate neighbourhood as the body disposal site. Research has shown that when operating under severe stress, individuals revert back to the familiar. In other words, the offender was comfortable in the neighbourhood, thus the offender lives or has spent considerable time in the neighbourhood. The offender in this case lived or had lived a considerable amount of time in the East Lake neighbourhood and was very familiar with the neighbourhood. The offender probably experienced lifestyle changes such as moving his residence, changing jobs, altering his appearance, trading vehicles and even his marital status could have changed before or after the criminal act. The analysis strongly suggested that law enforcement probably had contact already with the offender during the course of the investigation." Unquote. In September 2014, the Attorney General Neil Pixton revealed that the DEA's office had launched a cold case unit and retired police captain Matthew Mathis be in charge of running it. As he was one of the first officers on the scene when Joshua was found, he was adamant that his case would be one of the first his team investigated. In one of their conference rooms, there is a wall of photographs of victims whose cases they are investigating and Jonathan is one of them and he is one of the youngest people on that wall. Matthew Mathis said, quote, Everyone on this wall is just as equally important, but there's something different about a 10-year-old. It's the innocence, unquote. In March 2020, the police and the FBI renewed the investigation, hoping they could finally give the Walden family some closure. FBI Special Agent Joe Carrico commented, quote, There's nothing more tragic than the loss of a child, and to lose a child in this manner is even that much more extreme. We are happy to be able to bring the resources of our Behavioural Analysis Unit from Quantico at the FBI Academy and also members of our Child Abduction Rapid Deployment Team here in Chattanooga and Hamilton County to pursue any and all leads. So we ask the public, if you recall anything that happened on that fateful day back in December 2000, something that has just come back to your mind, please reach out to the Chattanooga Police Department. Please let us know. You never know what tip may lead to the solving of this case." Unquote. They also revealed that due to advances in forensic testing, they were currently testing evidence that was found at the scene and, quote, at other locations, unquote, that they were unable to test before. They did not say what these items were, but I truly hope that this does lead to a breakthrough in the case. Now I want to talk about some theories in this case and, like always, I just want to state that this is all pure speculation. As I was researching this case online, I saw forum posts indicating there was abuse going on within the Walden family home. I'm not going to repeat some of the things that were said in this posting, as I've got no way of knowing who wrote it, if the allegations are true, and out of respect to the family, Joshua's brothers in particular. The only reason I'm even bringing it up is because you will probably see these postings as well if you choose to research this case yourself. Another blog poster named Joshua's father, Johnny, as a suspect, claiming that he worked in pool maintenance and would have had easy access to muranic acid. Crystal commented on the same post, saying that this was not her father's occupation and she doesn't know where that rumour came from. 
I looked into this a bit further and from what I was able to find, Johnny Walden worked for the Burner Systems International Company, now known as Robert Shaw Chattanooga. They are a manufacturer for parts for gas ovens and grills, so I don't think the hydronic acid would have been needed for this job. Police have commented that the Walden family have been quote, extremely helpful unquote in the investigation and there is no evidence released publicly that suggests that any of the Waldens are responsible for what happened to Joshua. Again, my thoughts go out to them and I hope they are doing okay in spite of their unimaginable pain and loss. One thing about this case that has got a lot of people speculating is the fact that he was found with no socks or shoes on. Given that he was found in a wooded area, this would have been very unusual anyway, but as Joshua was known to be very stubborn about having both on at all times, makes this detail even stranger. If you have any thoughts on this, please let me know, but when I read this detail, two possibilities immediately sprung to my mind. One, Whoever took his socks and shoes off did this to taunt him or disrespect him as they knew how much he would hate it. Two, whoever did this thought that he looked like he was sleeping and took them off for that reason. Now, I might be totally off base here, but if the latter is true, that makes me believe it's more likely to be a child who killed Joshua. Shocking, I know, no one wants to think that a child could kill another child, but it has been known to happen. I just think that the innocence of someone accidentally placing too much weight onto him, thinking he'd just fallen asleep and then taking his shoes off for him seems like a very innocent thing to do. If the former is true, this leads me to believe that Joshua's death was a murder as opposed to manslaughter. Even if a child did kill Joshua, and regardless as to whether or not it was an accident, an adult certainly did help cover it up as a child wouldn't have known to pour acid over his body. There is also speculation as to whether Joshua died in the same place he was found or somewhere else. I'm more leaning towards him being killed somewhere else due to the language used in the FBI report. I will repeat the relevant part again. Quote, the significant feature is the choice of the immediate neighbourhood as the body disposal site. Unquote. Note how they don't say crime scene, but rather disposal site. Also, other than the person's body, what possibly could be in that wooded area that would have been so heavy that it would have caused Joshua to manually asphyxiate? Police have never said if they know what the source of the weight put on Joshua's body was, but I would have thought they would have shared this detail if they did. Regardless, if he was moved post-mortem, it only strengthens the chances that an adult was involved in the cover-up if it was indeed a child who killed Joshua, a possibility that I just cannot get out of my head. It's totally possible it was an adult who had sinister intentions, but for some reason, and I don't know why, I just don't think that's the case here. This by no means makes Joshua's case less important or less tragic, and justice absolutely still needs to be served in this case. I'm just sharing my personal opinion. One thing I am really curious about is what happened to his bike? Was it disposed of? Did somebody paint or modify it so it could be passed off as being someone else's bike? I really hope that one day his bike is found and that it holds some clues as to what happened to Joshua. Now I want to talk about a post I saw on Reddit from a user called Sweet by Sugar, who shared their theory about what possibly led up to Joshua's death. Quote, 
My immediate thought was that could it be someone who offered to paint slash seal slash polish slash whatever his bike. I figure an auto mechanic shop would have the type of paints or sealants etc that would work on a bike. Continuing with that theory it would be possible for a piece of heavy equipment to perhaps dislodge leaving him stuck and unable to get out or breathe. Of course it could be something more sinister and deliberate. I just feel like bikes and cars would use similar paints and products so that could provide an answer about if he was lured away slash how someone would manage that it would mean that person would have access to hydrochloric acid but of course I am no expert unquote. I think this is a very plausible theory and would indeed account for his injuries and the presence of the acid. I can't exactly remember where I read this but apparently Joshua's bike had a flat tyre that day so he was pushing it around as opposed to riding it. It is very possible he went to a local garage looking for help to fix his tyre, that there was an awful accident and whoever was present panicked, used the acid to destroy DNA and other physical evidence, then dumped his body in the woods. If this isn't what happened and his death came around another way, there is still a possibility that this is an accident, something that police do seem to be considering based on the comments made by Matthew Mathis. Manual asphyxiation is a bizarre way to kill someone deliberately, so I think this possibility is very likely. But whoever else was involved has left the Waldens with no answers for almost 30 years. I understand they might have panicked and made an awful decision to cover his death up, but I hope that guilt and some humanity forces them to come forward and admit the truth so his family can finally find some peace. Sadly, there are many members of the Walden family who will never find out the truth about what happened to Joshua. His brother Jason died on the 17th of March 2009, aged just 22 years old. His mother Anne died two years later on the 15th of December 2011 and his father Johnny died on the 21st of December 2018. His sister Crystal has gone on to have five more children and while she forgives whoever was involved in her brother's death, she just wants to know why. Quote, closure to me would be just to understand why. I'm not mad anymore. I just want to know why my brother, if my brother did something to anyone, why did he deserve to die? I understand stuff happens, accidents happen every day, but no child deserves to die. Be courageous and come forward. Don't be scared of nothing because there is nothing to be scared of." Unquote. When discussing her kids, she said, quote, People tell me I keep them sheltered and everything, but it's because this person is still out there. Unquote. Someone knows exactly what happened to Joshua Walden. Whether this was an accident or a murder, someone covered up his death and they need to be brought to justice. I'm now going to give a very quick recap of the case. Joshua was 10 years old when he was killed on the 8th of December 2000 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He was last seen at 5pm that day on the 4500 block of 14th Avenue. His body was found near Eastlake Duck Pond just off the 31st block of 16th Street. He was last seen wearing a red shirt, black jeans and he was riding a dull red 20 inch bicycle. His bike, socks and shoes have never been found. 
police believe his killer lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee and is particularly familiar with the East Lake neighbourhood. He or she probably has or had a job or hobby that might require the use of muriatic acid and they probably went through some significant life change just before or just after Joshua's death. If you have any information on Joshua's death or the circumstances surrounding it, please call the DA's Cold Case Unit on 423-209-7470 or you can send them an email. The email address is coldcases at hcdatn.org. All photos and sources related to today's case can be found on our website at uncovertruecrimepodcast.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a rating on whatever podcast streaming app you listen to this on. Or if you're listening on YouTube, please consider liking the video and subscribing to the channel. It really does help me out. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at uncover underscore pod and on Instagram at Uncover True Crime Pod. That's everything I have for you today. Thank you for listening till the very end. Please stay safe and have a good night.